Hiring? With Indeed, your search is over. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash match. Just go to Indeed.com slash match right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash match. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This week on the Chicago Bears Review. For the 11th straight year, our beloved wrapped up the preseason against the Cleveland Browns, where some were trying to earn roster spots and others were auditioning for other teams. Who made the final 53-man roster and who might be on this year's practice spot? All of this and so much more on the final preseason episode of the Chicago Bears Review. down the preseason officially in the books and it is time for regular season football in the 2014 season what's going on everybody Larry D back for the final preseason episode the preseason week four review episode if you will of the Chicago Bears review and um, anyone who's followed the, the show over the years knows that uh, we do not spend a whole lot of time talking about the actual preseason game after the fourth one because not a whole lot happens that's worth talking about. Uh, the Bears did lose 33-13 uh, to 13, uh, to finish out the preseason 2-2. Two and two. Um, But th- this fourth preseason episode, if you will, is more of a precursor to the regular season because we'll spend more time talking about the 53-man roster and we finish everything up with the picks that stick segment where I try to predict what happens in the 2014 NFL season. So uh, last year's picks, I don't remember going all that well, except that I correctly predicted the Super Bowl, uh, the Seattle Seahawks and the Denver Broncos, although I did get the winner wrong because I had the Broncos winning the Super Bowl last year, which after. If you, you know, with the way that the actual game itself went, I could not have been more wrong about that pick. But uh, anywho, uh, we're going to go ahead and try and do that again uh, this year and see how it all works out for us. Uh, The AFC, just to give you a feel, is, um, you know, they really need to step their game up uh, because for the last several years, I mean, it's been a long time actually that the AFC has been very top heavy where there's about three maybe four teams um, that are always at the top and everyone else is kind of just playing along whereas in the NFC I don't know how many years in a row it's been now but there's been a different NFC champion every year I think for at least the last 10 seasons if not more 
where there's there it's it's been so long since the AFC or excuse me the NFC has sent the same team back to the Super Bowl two years in a row, and I think it may have been since the um, Cowboys won the Super Bowl back in ninety two ninety three. I you know maybe that uh, maybe that might be it, but uh, I know that uh, for a good stretch there was a different there's been a different team representing the nfc in the super bowl every year for i would say at least the last 10 years if not longer so uh but the afc you know doesn't always send the same team two years in a row but it's always the same three or four teams it's new england denver pittsburgh you know indianapolis you know kind of in that rotation there baltimore's been there a couple of times but they had like 12 years between visits, uh, you know, uh, that kind of thing. But it's always kind of like those same teams at the top every single year. Whereas the NFC, it's, uh, you know, first, uh, you know, like going back to 2000. Okay, that would probably be it, actually, now that I think about it. The Rams, no, they didn't go back to back. But, you know, in 2000, it was the Giants. 2001, it was the Rams. 2002, it was the 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 Buccaneers in 03 it was the in 03 it was the Panthers in 04 it was the Eagles and so on and so forth you you got you know 05 it was Seattle and 06 it was the Bears and 07 was the Giants again you know and, and so on and so on I mean you do see a, a say the same team kind of pop up but it's always like four or five years between visits you know as opposed to the AFC where it's the same four teams rotating in the Super Bowl kind of thing. So um, my AFC picks will not be surprising to anyone, and uh, they're actually kind of boring on the AFC side. The NFC, there are a couple of surprises, uh, some different things. A team that's not making the playoffs I think will surprise you guys more than the teams that I pick to make the playoffs. So anywho, um First of all, we got uh, we had a game that the Bears played on Thursday. We'll talk about that briefly. Then we'll come back and introduce you to the 53-man roster and polish things off with my horrible NFL picks. So it's actually more fun to watch these picks fall apart throughout the season just to see how wrong I can be once the season is uh, is over. So um, you know, I've actually had a pretty pretty decent amount of success predicting the actual Super Bowl like who's going to play in the game, but like everything else, just like it, it, nothing else could be further from what you actually picked. So, uh, but we'll see how it all, uh, how, how it all shakes out. So let's go ahead and dive right into this thing and talk about Thursday night's game between the Bears and the Browns to finish the preseason. Now, despite carrying a roster of 75 players into that fourth and final game against the Cleveland Browns, the Bears sat, I believe the number was 40 of those players in that game. So uh, anyone who's even remotely going to be playing against the Bills next Sunday was not well actually technically they were dressed but none of them had pads on they were all in like their jersey and their and their pants walking around the sidelines but none of them were going to play so cutler marshall jeffrey forte 
you know, all the starters on, on the offensive line, uh, anybody significant on the defensive side of the ball, um, you know, even some surprising choices. Brock Vereen uh, did not play. Kadeem Carey uh, did not play. The rookies, Ferguson and, and Sutton, our defensive tackles, they didn't play. Only two of our draft choices actually took part in the game. One was our punter, Pat O'Donnell, because he's currently the only one on the roster. And our th- uh, sixth-round draft choice, the quarterback, David Fails, who played all 60 minutes uh, of the football game as quarterback and didn't actually do too bad. Um, the thing was, the um, for the first uh, quarter of the football game, uh, the Bears were going head-to-head. It was our threes against their ones because the Browns put their starters out on the field uh, to start the game. So it really wasn't that big a surprise that um, – you know, their uh, their starters, when they got on the field, broke out a 13-play, 85-yard drive where they just rammed it down our third our third team defense's throats. Uh, you know, Ben Tate finished off that drive with a one-yard touchdown. Um, however, we did make things interesting for a little while. Uh, our initial drive was seven plays, 59 yards, and we kicked a field goal with Robbie Gold. And that's, that, that next drive... In the second quarter, Santonio Holmes, who was one of the few guys worth talking about that played in the game, uh, caught his one and only pass uh, in the second quarter. It was a hitch route, basically. So he ran about eight yards and then turned around. David Fails threw it to him. Santonio Holmes turned the corner and went untouched, 32 yards for a touchdown. It was the only catch of the game for Santonio Holmes. It put the Bears up temporarily, 10-7. to seven. Uh, an- Another drive later, the Bears were up 13-7, to seven, and then that concluded our offense's participation in the evening because then the uh, Browns rattled off 26 unanswered to win the game, 33-13. Uh, to 13. Now, the other thing that, that Santonio Holmes did that was pretty cool was uh, later on in the football game, he actually returned a punt. Uh, and he returned it for about 30 yards, and for a second there, it looked like he was going to break it. Uh, so those were the only two touches then Santonio Holmes made in the game, and after he did that, he got to join the other 40 guys that were just wearing their jerseys and their pants on the sidelines. He did not play a snap for the rest of the game, and spoiler alert, he made the team uh, on Saturday. So uh, that was all the Bears needed to see. Be like, yep, you're ready. You're going to play for us. So... Santonio Holmes is going to make the team. Uh, Like I said, it's it's the fourth preseason game. Not a lot of excitement taking place there. Uh, David Fales, uh, you know, going to be our third string quarterback this year. He did some nice things. Uh, The throw that he made to um, Santonio Holmes, you know, he kind of back shouldered it, which kind of led uh, Holmes into how he was going to turn upfield. Uh, after he made the catch, and he did go untouched. Nobody laid a finger on him uh, once he made the catch. And he made it against um, the Browns' number one draft pick, Justin Gilbert, who was uh, number eight overall in this year's draft. Made him look bad uh, on that play. Uh, Josh Bellamy had four catches for 78 yards uh, in that first half. He looked very impressive uh, in in the football game. Um 
Uh, let's see who else. Uh, Jordan Lynch was out there for a spell. Didn't get in there until later in the game. He figured somebody playing for a roster spot, they'd give him a more opportunity. He was mid to mid to late third quarter before he came in the game. Had six carries for 18 yards uh, in the game. Uh, Sean Drawn, who actually was playing, even though I've been hearing for a couple of weeks now that he was number two on the depth chart in front of Kadeem Carey. While as Kadeem Carey didn't play, Sean Drawn did. Uh, 10 carries, 29 yards uh, in the game. Uh, Sonoris Perry, uh, 6 carries, 14 yards in the football game. Uh, on the Cleveland side of things, they pretty much, like statistically, they ran us off the field. They had nearly 10 minutes uh, in time of possession, 29 first downs to only 11 uh, for the Bears. Um, they had run 71 plays to our 50. They had 445 total yards on offense to our 187 and both teams had 11 drives just to show you how productive each team's offense was in this uh final preseason game it's the rushing game where the big discrepancy was because in the passing game they were only 100 yards better 225 to 125 uh, in the passing game in the running game it was 220 yards for cleveland to 62 for the Bears. Uh, they averaged nearly six yards a carry on the ground. Now, this is against our third and fourth string guys. These are guys that the majority of them did not make the team, and those that did won't be playing significant at all. You know, if won't be playing any significant time, if at all, throughout the course of the season, or at least let's not hope. Let's hope they don't because that's pretty much what happened to us last year. We were pulling guys off the street to play for us on defense last year. Literally off the street to play for us last year. So, you know, like I said, it wasn't uh, wasn't a very uh, eventful game. A lot of people whose names, you know, all due respect, whose names don't matter. These are guys that we won't remember going forward. Uh, like I said, Cleveland won at 33-13. to 13. Johnny Menzel had a couple of Johnny football moments uh, in there. The leading passer in the football game, believe it or not, was sexy Rexy Grossman. He had uh, was four for eight for 80 yards. Uh, actually, I take that back. Menzel had 83 yards passing. Uh, he was only six of 17, though, so he didn't look too good. Brian Hoyer, their starting quarterback, was six of eight for 69 yards uh, in the game. Um and that was pretty much it. Uh, we did get a sack on Manziel. It was from uh, Austin, oh, no, excuse me, David Bass, who made the sack uh, on Manziel. So, like I said, that's that's about it. So you never never really pay attention, and you know. And at one point during the game, it was kind of on in the background while I was doing other stuff. So to tell you the truth, I did not pay much attention to the game as a whole, but. It was on, and I was, you know, kind of, you know, kind of watching it, and kind of not at the same time, just because it's that one last hurdle before you finalize the roster, and more importantly, that final hurdle before you get to football on Sunday. So today, August the thirty-first, is the last NFL Sunday, NFL-less Sunday, until February eighth of twenty fifteen, the Sunday after the Super Bowl. So. We got uh, a good solid six months of football on Sunday, you know, and college football kicked off yesterday. That was awesome. 
I was watching football from, say, about 11.30 once I realized that there was football on TV. From about 11.30 until about, uh, well, until about 7 o'clock at night, then I went out and watched the UFC fights. So, But uh, plenty of plenty of football to keep me busy from now until February. So looking forward to that. So, All right, so the Bears finished 2-2. Two two. They were 0-2 on the road, 2-0 at home for the preseason. Now we get to the games that count. And who will be playing in these games that count? Who's on the team? Well, let's go ahead and dive in and introduce you to the 2014 Chicago Bears. Before we get into the 53 guys that made the roster, I think we should talk about the unfortunate foes, uh, you know, those guys that did not make the final roster. Uh, so surprising some surprising names on the final cut list uh, for the Bears uh, on the top of that list would have to be Kelvin Hayden, uh, the cornerback for us. He was our, our nickelback in 2012. Uh, he missed all of last year with a torn hamstring, uh, came back, signed a one-year deal with the Bears to stick around for a third season. He um, played well from what I saw. I mean, he was out there doing his thing and uh, making things happen. Uh, for us uh, but I guess the Bears have supreme confidence in that first round pick of ours Kyle Fuller uh, even though he hasn't played since the Jacksonville game uh, thinking that he will be able to contribute out there and and that scenario that the Bears have been playing with in practice anyway with uh, Fuller and Peanut as the corners and then sliding Tim Jennings into the slot to be the quote-unquote nickelback on uh, on those uh, passing downs is kind of what they're going with. I think it hurts the Bears depth-wise uh, to, to, to have a veteran presence like his not on the team. But, uh, you know, uh, I don't get to make those decisions, uh, unfortunately. But uh, Kelvin Hayden uh, not on the football team. Very surprising, in my opinion, that he did not make the team, especially when we get to, in a few minutes, who made the team in his place. So... Uh, other big, other surprising cuts for me, uh, Eben Britton, or Eben Britton, however you pronounce his first name, I always apologize, I think it's Eben, uh, was our swing tackle last year. He was the guy that, um, you know, when Martellus Bennett hurt his shoulder after the first couple weeks of the season, he was our blocking tight end uh, for the most part, uh, but he actually missed a good portion of the uh, preseason with a hamstring uh, injury. I believe it was a hamstring. Yeah, it was a hamstring injury. And um, basically the, um, his job was taken while he was injured. He did play in the last preseason game uh, against the Cleveland Browns, but I guess the damage had already been done. He'd missed too much time, and uh, unfortunately he's no longer on the roster, although I would figure he'd be the first phone call the Bears make uh, if something should happen, um, and that's if somebody else doesn't already snatch him up. Um, also uh, taken off of the uh, team, let's see, we got Kelvin Hayden, even Britton, Chris Williams, who made a big play against the uh, Philadelphia Eagles, a big 73-yard touchdown pass uh, from Jimmy Clausen, who actually injured his hamstring on that play. Uh, apparently too much missed time there, so he's gone. Uh, defensive end Austin Lane was let go. Safety MD Jennings is gone. Uh, I mentioned uh, Josh Bellamy uh, was let go. 
although I wouldn't say goodbye to Josh Bellamy for too long because um, the Bears have plans to put Marquise Wilson on the injured reserve with designation to return list, which means that he's on the IR, but he can come back at some point during the season, kind of like what the Ravens did last year with Terrell Suggs or two years ago with with Ray Lewis. They put him on IR so they could open up a roster spot, but designated him to be able to come back. So he's not going to be gone for the year. They're saying like around midseason is when Marquise Wilson would be able to come back so I would say that Josh Bellamy is going to be the guy that gets to take that spot after they get to make the designation. Uh, but they have, for some reason, have to wait until Tuesday to make that roster move. So for now, Marquise Wilson is on the roster as one of our wide receivers. But I would say that that's going to change. And I would, I would think, unless somebody else, unless somebody out there, there's a more intriguing name. Uh, than than Josh Bellamy, I would think that Bellamy's going to be the guy that gets to take that spot for the for the portion of the season that Marquise Wilson uh, is uh, recovering from that collarbone injury. So I wouldn't say goodbye to Josh Bellamy for too long. Uh, other cuts: uh, Dale Moss, the wide receiver, uh, center Tyler Boggs uh, is uh, being uh, let go. Uh, defensive tackles Brandon Dunn and Lee Puigs. Uh, defensive tackle Tracy Robertson. Uh, linebacker Jerry Franklin, who was a big special teams guy for us last year. Uh, linebacker Didi Lattimore, he was a undrafted rookie free agent, as was guard Ryan Groy. Uh, cornerback Al Louis, uh, Louis John was let go, and as was uh, cornerback C.J. Wilson. Uh, the, uh, those were actually the cuts that were made yesterday on Saturday. On Friday, we let five guys go, uh, most notably running back Jordan Lynch was let go by the team, so he's not going to make the squad. Uh, wide receiver Armani Edwards, tying in John Mastrud, and offensive lineman Dennis Rowland and Robert Turner were among the first cuts made after the game on Thursday. So uh, names that are potential for the practice squad, uh, I would think that um, Tyler Boggs might be on the practice squad. Uh, for us, uh, guys like Al uh, Louis St. John or Louis John, uh, C.J. Wilson. Um, there's going to be a couple of offensive linemen in there for sure. Uh, I've all, I've you know I've read in several interviews that um, um, Phil Emery, our general manager, likes to keep ten offensive linemen on the team at any one time. Well, we only kept eight on the 53-man roster, so I'd expect a couple of those. Uh, of the practice squad guys to be offensive linemen and this year you can have 10 guys on the practice squad as opposed to eight for the last several years so you can actually add a couple more bodies to the team uh to be on the uh practice squad jordan lynch said he would love to come back as part of the practice squad so that's a possibility for us uh, as well and um you know maybe even armani edwards but i think he actually he's been in the league too long to be on the practice squad so We'll have to wait and see who that is. Um, the Bears have not added anybody to the practice squad just yet, and uh, although they have been able to for the last couple, I think 10, 10 or 11 o'clock this morning is when they were able to start adding guys to the practice squad. So those are the unfortunate souls who will not be on this year's 53-man roster, or at least the 53-man roster as it appears going into the first week of the season. Who did make the team? 
Well, let's start from the very top. At quarterback, no surprises here. Jay Cutler, Jimmy Clausen, who's going to be our backup, and David Fales did make the team as the third quarterback on the team, although that might change. Uh, maybe he hits the waiver wire and we get him on the practice squad. We'll have to wait and see. Maybe they just didn't want to risk it because he did actually look pretty good uh, in spots on uh, on Thursday night against the Browns. Uh, at the running back position, Matt Forte, Sean Drone, Kadeem Carey, and then Sonoris Perry getting that fourth spot as a running back. Fullback, the Tony Fiametta, the only fullback on the roster. Wide receivers, Alshon Jeffrey, Brandon Marshall, Josh Morgan, Santonio Holmes, and for now, like I said, Marquise Wilson. And then the last one, Michael Spurlock, who um, was brought in to be the kick returner, so you'd think maybe he's the guy that's going to get that job. He was the sixth receiver on the roster. Uh, tight ends, we kept three this year. Martellus Bennett and Dante Rosario, those guys are back. And Matthew Mulligan, one of our free agent signings, is the third tight end on the team. Offensive linemen, like I said, we kept eight. Our starters, Bushrod, Slauson, Garza, Kyle Long, and Jordan Mills. And then our backups, Brian De La Puente, Michael Ola, and our seventh-round draft choice, Charles Lino Jr., did make the football team. Michael Ola was the guy that uh, I was talking about that uh, basically took even Britain's spot as the swing tackle, that guy that uh, if the Bears do that uh, unbalanced line, if you will, or you know that blocking tight end, quote-unquote, thing i think ola is going to be the guy that comes off the bench he's the one that basically played for jordan mills at right tackle throughout the preseason as he was uh nursing that foot injury but jordan mills says he's 100 percent, so i would expect him to start on sunday against the cleveland uh cleveland browns the buffalo bills uh on the defensive side of the ball we had i think nine defensive linemen jared allen steven paya jay ratliff lamar houston those are our starters uh, Ego Ferguson and Will Sutton are draft choices. David Bass made the team, Trevor, as did Trevor Scott. And Willie Young, the most surprising guy on this list for me, is Cornelius Washington. So I don't know if he's doing something on special teams that I'm not aware of, but when I've seen him out there in very, very limited duty in the preseason, I haven't been impressed uh, by his efforts. So um, I'm thinking that Cornelius Washington must have made a name for himself uh, on uh, on special teams to have made the uh, to have made the team. So uh, either that or Emery's just hold, trying to hold on to his draft choices right now because there's only two te- two guys left in the 2012 uh, uh, draft class. That's Shea McClellan who did make the team and Alshon Jeffrey. 2013 and 2014 are intact at the moment. So, uh, but uh, that's uh, Cornelius Washington making the team. Although I'm, I'm guessing it's more for special teams than anything else because I haven't seen anything on the defensive side that would uh, lead me to believe this is why he made the team. Uh, linebackers, we kept six. John Bostic, Lance Briggs, and DJ Williams, I suspect, will be our starting three. Shea McClellan uh, and Kasim Green. And then of Christian Jones, the undrafted uh, rookie free agent from Florida State, did make the team as uh, one of our six linebackers. At corner, this is what I was saying, why I was surprised Kelvin Hayden didn't make the team. Now, of course, we have Kyle Fuller, Tim Jennings, Charles Tillman. That's that's kind of a given. Uh, Sheriff McManus, who's kind of our special teams ace on the team right now. And then Demontre Hurst ended up making the final roster 
in front of Kelvin Hayden now. I don't know. Maybe maybe this there's stuff that we don't know. Maybe um, you know Hayden said that he wanted to try his luck somewhere else when the Bears uh, you know told him about their plans with Kyle Fuller and you know that formation that we were talking about with Fuller and uh, Tillman as the corners and Slim Tim Jennings being the nickelback kind of thing. There's no room for him. He doesn't want to play special teams. That kind of thing. Well, uh, you know who knows. But uh, Demontre Hurst and Sheriff McManus are special teams guys. And they made the team ahead of Tim Jennings and, or excuse me, in, in front of uh, Kelvin Hayden. And, um, you know, like I said, I think it gives, it hurts us as far as depth and experience depth uh, in that defensive backfield. Uh, at the safety position, we got Ryan Mundy and Brock Vereen, Danny McCray, who we signed away from the Cowboys, and Chris Conti. So, yeah, that happened. Uh, even though he knocked himself out cold against the Seattle Seahawks, his first action of the preseason, he made one decent play and one big hit and knocked himself out doing it in the process. Somehow he still made the team. So go figure. And then our special teams guys, Robbie Gold, our kicker, Pat O'Donnell, our punter, and then Brandon Hartson, our new long snapper. So that's your 53-man roster. As it stands right now, there could be a couple of changes. Like I said, I think maybe David Fales might uh, be let go to go on to hit the practice squad. The Marquise Wilson roster move, that's that's coming. I, you know, I, I think that Josh Bellamy will be the guy that the Bears signed to take his place. So uh, there are other moves to be made, like I said, uh, with also with the addition of our practice squad players. But I'll uh, you know once we get those guys signed, I'll talk about them in uh, kind of our news and notes section in our first preview episode of the season. Our week one regular season preview episode debuts on Thursday. Thursday night will be the first preseason, or excuse me, the first preview episode talking about the Bears' upcoming matchup week one against the Buffalo Bills, and I can hardly wait because it's that much closer. We're seven days away from Bears and Bills kicking off the NFL season for us the loyal Chicago Bear following. So that is your 53-man roster. Like I said, on Thursday when we do the preview episode, we will talk about who made our practice squad and any other roster moves the Bears might have made uh, in the process. So that's going to be our 53-man roster, the guys that we take into battle with us this year. And, um, you know, knock on wood, these are the guys that we're going to be hoisting a trophy with in February. So... Like I said, knock on wood. <laughs> All right, so that's going to be our team. And now we're going to close out the show with everybody's favorite preseason segment, the Picks That Stick. All right, and here we are with our final preseason segment of 2014 because the next time that you hear from me, we'll be talking strictly about the Bears and the Bills and their impending matchup next Sunday to kick off the 2014 season. Now, this is, you know, this, this is a segment that I, that I like to have fun with. Um, I go through the NFL schedule. I pick all the games that, uh, you know, are on the roster, are on the schedule 
right now and at the end we put together the win-loss records and then from there we kind of go with the with the playoffs and um like i said uh more times than not i could not have been more wrong about how some of these picks are going to shake out um but uh, i seem to be pretty damn good about picking the super bowl we'll see how that ends up uh how that ends up this year so um so here we go. Let's uh, go with the NFC first because that's our home uh, home conference, uh, if you will. In the NFC East, I have the Eagles taking the division once again. They finish in 10-6. and six. The Giants in second at 8-8. Eight and eight. The Dallas Cowboys finishing with a losing record at 7-9. and nine. Thus, you know, you know, unless he's got pictures of Jerry Jones with a farm animal or an underage girl because I'm sure you guys all saw the pictures of uh, Jerry Johnson – Jerry Johnson, Jerry Jones, sorry, um, provocatively posing with some young girl in a, in a hotel somewhere, like in a hotel lobby or something. So it was out in public, but the way they were posing was uh, like, yeah, you're, you know, that's not good. But, um, you know, this should get, uh, you know, a new head coach into Dallas and, you know, maybe they'll turn things around uh, down there. But seven and nine in third place, and then Washington at five. And 11 with the first year of uh, Jay Gruden at head coach. Uh, in the north, call me crazy. I got the Bears at 11 and 5. I've gone through the, the schedule, you know, a bunch of times, and it's, it's the record I keep coming back to. We got a win at Buffalo, that's 1 and 0. A loss at San Francisco, 1 and 1. Uh, beating the Jets on Monday Night Football, that's 2 and 1. Beating the Packers, 3 and 1. Uh, at Carolina, I'll take the loss there, three and two. At Atlanta, that's a win, four and two. Home against Miami, that's a win, five and two. On the road at New England before the bye in week eight, that's a loss, five and three. At Green Bay, screw it, we're sweeping the Packers this year. God damn it, six and three. Versus Minnesota at home, that's a win, seven and three. Uh, at home against the uh, Tampa Bay Buccaneers, that's a win. So that would be what eight and three at Detroit on Thanksgiving. That's a ah, I'm going to take a loss there just because so eight and four at Dallas or excuse me at home against Dallas on Thursday night. That's a win nine and four at home against the Fort uh, the New Orleans Saints on Monday night football. I think the Saints are going to be better than us once this once it's all said and done. However, it's the bitter cold of Chicago in December on Monday night. I am taking us at home. So ten and four at uh, at home against Detroit. That's a win. Eleven and four, and then kind of that throwaway game at Minnesota. And just because it's at Minnesota, we never win in Minnesota. Eleven and five. So that's kind of how I got it all kind of breaking down you know i i i toiled very very hard with with that uh, thanksgiving game against detroit i want to win that game <laughs> so badly i want us to win that game on thanksgiving but we're coming off a you know i got a three-game winning streak going that kind of thing so and it, it's like if i have them win there i still think they're going to beat the cowboys i still think we're going to be the saints on monday night so we're we're riding a six-game winning streak you know, I just don't think we're going to be that good this year. So, and this, of course, is if the defense holds up for us. So, I mean, it's 
That's it's still an if. I mean, it could be as good as twelve and four, eleven and five. It could be as bad as six and ten if the defense doesn't hold up. So everyone wants to say how we've got a tough schedule. I have no idea what they're talking about. We've got the AFC East, which is a one team division with the New England Patriots, and then you got the Jets, the Dolphins, and the Bills, and we got them all in the first half of the season in those first eight games. Uh, you know. That's a three and one record. I mean, I I gotta pick the Bears to lose to the Patriots until we actually beat them. Um, so because it's been ugly the last few times that we've played them, uh, I'm taking Green Bay, uh, taking the win over Green Bay at home. Uh, Carolina, I'd 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 like to pick us to win that game, but uh, you know, we'll see. I mean, it's a road game. We weren't particularly great on the road last year. Uh, the Falcons, I'm not thinking, are going to be very strong this year and so on. So that's my take on how we get to 11-5 and five, uh, this year. So um, in the NFC South, I like the – the um, oh, actually, let's go back. Uh, in, the, in the North, I got the Bears at 11-5, and five, Green Bay just behind us at 10-6, and six, Detroit at 7-9, and nine, Minnesota 6-10. and 10. Uh, In the South, New Orleans wins at 12-4. and four. Carolina nine and seven taking a bit of a step back this year I think the fact that they've got like no one coming back in their receiving core Cam Newton spent most of the preseason injured I mean he's got a busted rib you know they say he might be ready for week one but that's going to be iffy at best going into things so uh, Carolina at nine and seven Tampa Bay and Atlanta both finishing at seven and nine uh, this year uh, out west, Seattle takes it at twelve and four. Arizona at ten and six. I just like their defense. I really do. Not to mention what they're doing on the offensive side of the ball. If they can get that run game going in Arizona, I think they can really get some good stuff uh, done there. But with uh, you know Fitzgerald and uh, Michael Floyd uh, out there in the receiving game, it, they they could really be something out there in Arizona. San Francisco at nine and seven. This year, at least, I really think the 49ers are a house of cards. They're, they're, they've got no Navarro Bowman for the first good portion of the season coming off the knee injury. Uh, Alden Smith, they just announced, is going to be suspended for the first nine games of the year. They had one of their offensive linemen, Alex Boone, held out the entire preseason uh, you know, with a contract dispute. Um you know the the offense was horrible in the preseason you know you don't pay attention to the preseason but at the same time the preseason does tell you uh some things so they were not very good on offense in in the preseason i think the starters in their three three games combined had three points in their first three games that's that's not going to win you many football games so they're going to have to rely heavily on the defense or at least after seeing those preseason performances you will and the defense is missing some very important pieces for a good portion of the season. And, and not to mention, at the very top, there was also talk of the 49ers trading Jim Harbaugh away uh, to the Cleveland Browns when they were looking for a new coach. And also that, uh, you know, it's, it's getting close to time to talk about an extension for Harbaugh, and the 49ers aren't talking about it. So, uh, there's uh it, there's trouble in paradise out there in San Francisco and I think it might come to a head uh, as far as the results are, are concerned for this year. So I have them at nine and seven, and then St. Louis after the loss of Sam Bradford to another ACL injury, um, I got them finishing at six and ten. So 
that leaves us with the following seedings. New Orleans at one. I had them with a tiebreaker over the, the Seahawks. Seattle at two. The Bears at three. Philly at four. Green Bay five. Arizona at six. So Arizona makes it. San Francisco does not. So that's my kind of surprise that the Cardinals make the playoffs and the 49ers don't. On the AFC side, uh, no surprise in the East. New England at 11 and five. The Jets seven and nine, Miami seven and nine, Buffalo six and ten. Uh, on the North, uh, more of the same basically. Cincinnati ten and six, Baltimore seven and nine, Pittsburgh seven and nine. I just don't believe in this renaissance with the Steelers, but I'm also usually wrong about the Steelers. Uh, I wasn't wrong about them last year, but I think I might be wrong about them this year. But I just couldn't make the picks for them. Um, Seven and nine, then Cleveland finishes five and eleven. In the AFC South, Indy at eleven and five, Tennessee seven and nine, Houston six and ten, Jacksonville three and thirteen. And out west, Denver twelve and four, Kansas City nine and seven, San Diego eight and eight, Oakland five and eleven, which leads us to the same six playoff teams in the AFC from a year ago, which if history tells us anything, this is wrong because there's anywhere from three to five new playoff teams every year. So in the NFC, I have the Bears and the Cardinals that are new to the NFC, and I have nobody new on the AFC side. Denver at one, Indy at two with a tiebreaker over the, the, the Patriots. The Patriots at three, Cincinnati four, Kansas City five, San Diego six. So for the second year in a row, the top three teams in the AFC West make the playoffs uh, again. So how do the playoffs shake out? On the NFC side in the wild card round, the Bears are the three seed. Arizona is the six seed. You got the team from the desert coming to the frigid temperatures of Chicago in January, taking the Bears to win that one. Uh, then you have the four seed Philly against the five seed Green Bay. I'm giving the Packers the win on that one. So that sends Chicago to the number two seed in Seattle. That sends Green Bay to New Orleans to take on the number one seed with the Saints. Now the Saints are unbeatable at home, so I'm taking the Saints over the Packers. And Seattle is unbeatable at home, especially after what we saw in the preseason. Uh, I hope it's not that bad, but I think the Seattle Seahawks will beat the Bears in the divisional round. Hopefully they'll go down swinging in that game. And then in the NFC Championship game, you have Seattle at New Orleans for the right to go to Super Bowl 49. I think the champs fall short, and the Saints win the NFC and go to the Super Bowl. On the AFC side, like I said, these picks are kind of boring. you got th number three, New England, against San Diego in the wild card round. We'll take New England there. Then you have number four, Cincinnati, against number five, Kansas City. I'll take Cincinnati to get their first playoff win in two decades there. Um, in the divisional round, you have number two, Indianapolis, against number three, New England. I'm actually going to take the Patriots there, same as last year, the Patriots kicking the crap out of Indy in, in, the, in the divisional round. And taking number one, Denver, over number four, Cincinnati, in the other divisional game and then the AFC Championship game once again. Denver and New England. I'm taking Denver. And, you know, maybe it's just my love for Peyton Manning. 
I'm taking Denver over the Saints in Super Bowl 49. Peyton gets his ring, and then people can shut up about how he's not the best quarterback that's ever played, which I, I firmly believe Peyton Manning is the best quarterback that's ever played the game. I don't give a damn what anybody says about uh, Brady and his three rings or whatever. I just I don't care. I honestly don't care. When I see those two guys play, I am always in awe of Peyton Manning and what he does. I have never been impressed with Tom Brady. I don't know what it is, but I've never really been like, wow, what a great throw. Or wow, what a play by Brady. I've never, ever said that about Brady. There's just something about the guy that just doesn't bring that out in me. But when I see Peyton out there, man, what a throw. Holy crap, what a read that guy made. You know, that kind of thing. I just... I have, I, maybe it's just the respect thing. I have way more respect for Peyton Manning than I do for Tom Brady. So, But, um, you know, Tom Brady could have 10 championship rings, and I'd still tell you Manning's the better quarterback because as far as, you know, overall, just like player, man-to-man, who's the better player? It's Manning, hands down, every single time. So who's had the better career? Statistically, Manning has because this year, at some point, he's going to break the NFL all-time touchdown record he's he only needs 17 touchdowns to break brett Favre's record he's gonna break that probably by like week six especially if he has any a year anything close to what he had last year but um you know anyway let me step down off my peyton manning soapbox i think that he will win his second ring uh this year uh over in the new orleans saints uh, out there in glendale arizona so that's how i see it shaking out I am almost definitely wrong about 99% of this stuff, but uh, we'll have to wait and see. And that's the fun because uh, having to wait and see how it all turns out means we get to watch the NFL do its thing for us starting, uh, well, technically starting this Thursday with the Packers and the Seahawks on the kickoff night. And then next Sunday, week one, Bears and Bills and all the rest of that fun stuff. So lots and lots of football coming our way, which means you get a lot more Chicago Bears review from now on, starting this Thursday with the first preview episode of the season and then going on and on until the season ends. And hopefully, if my predictions are right, at the worst, it won't be until after the divisional round for our beloved Chicago Bears. So, uh, Knock on wood that uh, I'm right that the Bears are going to win the division and make the playoffs. Knock on wood that the defense is what we hope that it will be this year, even though we haven't seen much of it in the preseason. So maybe it's just the preseason stigma. Uh, who knows? Uh, let's just hope that we have a defense this year because if we have a defense, guys, watch out for the Bears this year. So that's all I'm going to say. So that's going to do it. For the week four preseason review episode, the Picks That Stick show. And um, we'll be back on Thursday with the first preview episode of the year, talking about the Bears' week one battle with the Buffalo Bills. So until then, my name is Larry D. It's time for some football, baby. Hey, 
it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Ophthalmologist Dr. Strauss has seen firsthand how the metaverse is helping surgeons practice the procedures to treat cataracts. Cataracts are the primary cause of avoidable blindness. He works with a virtual reality training platform developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International to help surgeons develop the muscle memory they need. The result? More confident, capable surgeons. And even more importantly, patients who can see. Explore more stories like Dr. Strauss's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. Professional welder Shayna Ford used VR training developed by ForgeFX to hone her skills as a welder. The more time that you spend practicing it, that's what separates a good welder from a great welder. VR training can help students like Shayna repeatedly practice specific skills. Virtual reality definitely helps because the more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Explore more stories like Shayna's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. As you write your life story, you're far from finished. Are you looking to close the book on your job? Maybe turn a page in your career. Be Continued at the Georgetown University School of Continuing Studies. Our professional master's degrees and certificates are designed to meet you where you are and take you where you want to go. At Georgetown SCS, the learning never stops, and neither do you. Write your next chapter. Be continued at scs.georgetown.edu slash podcast.